Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're talking the draft. We're talking Memphis basketball, Memphis Grizzlies NBA playoffs. We're also going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft as a whole, but also maybe a little bit of New York Mets baseball uh, with our next uh, guest, uh, Nate Davis from USA Today, who covers uh, the NFL as well as anybody uh, around, but also uh, is a Met fan as well. Nate, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle today. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it looks like, it feels like things are a little bit different with my Mets. What What say you? Well, you know, Vinny, I haven't had the luxury of paying a whole lot of attention yet. Actually, I caught a little bit of the game, you know, last night against Philly, which, you know, was a nice way to close out that series after the no-hitter the other night. Obviously, we know that no-hitters are a luxury for a Mets fan. You usually come at the cost of, of, of your uh, ace. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No, it's nice. It's nice to see the nice start. We'll see if they can sustain it. I mean, after, after last year, uh, I'm sure you're still bearing the scars of 2007 and 2008. Uh, maybe even 1988, like I am as well. But uh, we'll, we'll see if they can sustain it. Not only do I feel that or, or wear that scar from 1988, I was in, I was at Dodger Stadium for all those games, and it was just, oh. yeah, yeah, heartbreaking. But uh, but we'll, we're we're thinking about better times, and it looks like they've got a pretty good club uh, this year. So we'll see how far uh, the, the Mets can take it. But Nate, obviously, huge weekend uh, for uh, the the NFL. Um, from your vantage point. Watching the draft unfold, and I know you were paying attention to the picks and who was doing well, who wasn't doing well. For, but from your vantage point, being able to see Las Vegas uh, host a draft, what were your initial thoughts uh, about uh, about that big event being here in Las Vegas? Well, I think it's just kind of the exclamation point on, on Vegas becoming, you know, a major U.S. American sporting city. And I know that you know, market wise, it's not the biggest market in the world. Probably lower lower, lower quarter. You would know better. Than I would, and I was actually curious what your perspective was too. Like, was was it? Did it feel like a big event, you know, there to you, or did it feel like just kind of another day uh, in Vegas? But I mean, certainly they did it up. I thought the visuals were, were fantastic. I mean, and, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be pretty cool when, when the Super Bowl is coming there in a few years. So um, it just kind of feels like, from uh, a, a pro sports vantage point, that Vegas is really arrived and I think you know, probably people of your age and mine probably think that day would ever come. Yeah, there's no doubt about that and what's interesting uh, Nate, um, you know, when you go around to some of these bigger events, in some of these cities, uh, while it's fun where it is and all that, it sometimes feels like it could get swallowed up. When you go to New York, I remember for the Super Bowl, it felt like the Super Bowl got swallowed up by New York, you know, and and you know there are cities where, where that happens. Uh, but I felt like what, and I feel like what Las Vegas is does a great job of being able to balance is um, it's a big city, quote unquote, in terms of how it looks, how it operates, how it sees itself, uh, the the events that come here. But it also has enough of a smaller feel to it um, that that it it uh, it amplifies the event rather than swallows up the event. If that makes any sense, and I certainly felt like 
the NFL draft fit that bill. And when you see all the people that came into town from all over the country, um, it, it, you, you felt that presence as well. So uh, it felt just as I kind of thought it would. And I think that's, um, you know, a, a great ode to Las Vegas and this market and how they were able to carry off big events like this uh, in the manner that they did. But we got to get right to it in terms of, you know, I know that uh, we're always in a rush to uh, assign a grade and to apply a grade. I think we've been doing this long enough to know that we really won't know uh, until months and months from now. But that doesn't stop any of us uh, from making snap judgments. And from your perspective, um, anybody that stood out in terms of their draft uh, as far as doing a good job? Well, as you said, the snap judgments, and I know all of our bosses you know, want, want that the <laughs> yes. next day. And I think we've all kind of learned that maybe the gold standard is three years. And it's just, it's just funny that the, the Raiders are kind of uh, you know the the epiphany uh, of that epitome of that. Um, given three years ago, they had the three first round yeah. picks, and you know, here we are, and they're all their all their options have been declined. You know, I know part of that is the regime change, but it's just crazy how how this stuff can age well or not age so well. But um, you know, I, I think I think you know, no no surprise here, but I think you got to say that it feels like the Jets, you know, won the draft, and, and for obvious reasons. I mean, probably getting. You know, arguably, three, three the three top players in three different positions, and, and then Jermaine Johnson. You know, arguably again being the value pick of the draft, going to get him to twenty six. But you know, I try to look at these things holistically, Vinny, and I think the thing people got to remember is that uh, Joe Douglas didn't draft Sam Darnold, and he didn't draft Jamal Adams, but he turned those. You know, whether you want to call them mistakes or not, obviously they didn't work out with New York, but he, but he turned those guys into assets that, that you know he used last year and this year. Um, into building up you know, the football team from, from from the ground up. And it sure looks like the Jets are finally, you, know, you being a New York guy, uh, obviously it's been a long time since they've been good, uh, 10 years since they were even, you know, AFC championship worthy. But, but it looks like they're finally, you know, kind of loaded up and, and ready to kind of move in a positive direction. Nate, I'm a, uh, and I know you are too, um, you know, a uh... – a, a strong proponent of great leadership and it all starts there. And if you don't have it, um, good luck finding your way because generally if you have bad leadership, it's going to lead you to bad places. Um, I feel like here in Las Vegas, the Raiders have taken a real step in the right direction in terms of their leadership. And I look at the jets and you know, they may be a few years behind in that process, their process compared to where the Raiders are right now. Uh, but when I see Joe Douglas uh, and, and I see the new head coach that's in place, uh, Coach Lalea, who's doing a great job uh, on, on his own right, I feel the presence of intelligence and prudence and diligence and all the things that you need to be uh, to get where you want to go. Is that the sense there uh, for the New York Jets? And it's been a long time since we can we can say that for that organization. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right, Vinny. I mean, I think I think Joe and Robert are, are on the same page. Um, I don't think they've had that for a long time, probably not since uh, Rex Ryan and McCagden were together. It seems like the, the GM and the coach there for years were, were never in step. I mean, it feels like the Adam Gase years were just a, a black hole waste of talent and, and resources and everything else. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, from, from the start, their leadership is important, and, and I think it really does start at the top, with certainly with ownership. But uh, certainly if, if your GM and your, your head coach are pulling in the same direction. It's a problem. And I think Robert Sell is really, you know, he, he may not, I'm not saying he's not, but I mean, I, I think the main thing he's bringing to the table is, is that the players like him, they relate to him. You know, one of the things I remember he said in his interesting press conference is one of the goals uh, is to draft players and then to get them paid. Um, you know, certainly players, you know, want to hear that, but it also means that 
they're having success and the team's having success. And then I think, again, not only are Joe Douglas and Robert Saul rolling in the same direction, but I think that their players can get behind that because they know that they're looking out for their well-being too. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's interesting, um, your second highest uh, graded team um, in this draft was the Los Angeles Rams. And we all know, uh, and you colorfully uh, uh, portrayed it in your uh, in your synopsis of, of what the Rams did, is F them picks. And the, Ra- the Raiders, or the Rams haven't had a first-round pick since 2016. That was Jared Goff. He's no longer on the team. They won't have one I believe until 2024 uh, or 2023, maybe it is 2024. And yet, yeah, and yet they keep churning out great players. And you gave them an A. Um, Why are how is Les Snead able to to pull this uh, magic trick off where he's trading all these draft picks, yet drafting as many times as any other team in the league, maybe more so, and coming up with these stellar players? Well, I think you got to say something about about their pro. I and mean, I don't think Les Snead and Sean McVay went to the combine. I think they punted because they, they did for draft 104. Uh, but I mean, and I think obviously a lot of teams are looking at their their team building model and saying, well, hey, maybe I mean, you know, you, you know, I mean, for years, uh, general managers were scared to death to, to, to trade a first round pick or even a second second round pick for fear of the trade backfires, and then they don't have have that uh you know that asset to, to build their team. But what you know, Les Snead has kind of turned that. On its head, and, and you know, we say copycat leagues, and everyone is going to look at that. I mean, I would say too that the cautionary tale is Bill O'Brien did the same thing in Houston, right? Uh, and that, that's the other side of the mirror. Without that franchise, has pretty much been driven into the ground, and they're only now, hopefully, for them, starting to recover from it. But um, again, I look at this draft again holistically, and you know, because of this draft, um, and they used the first round pick on Matthew Stafford and the second and third round picks on Von Miller. I don't know how he can give a better grade to a team that won the Super Bowl because of the way they leverage their draft capital. And, and yeah, Matthew Stafford is going to cost them one more first-round pick, but um, he's he's under contract. They've extended him for a while. He's going to be there for a bit. And I think, you know, Westmead does a really good job finding players in those middle rounds, Cooper Cup being the best example. But I think they also do a good job kind of targeting the players that, that aren't going to break the bank, you know, linebackers and interior linemen and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just worked out really well for them. And it hasn't always, it hasn't always worked out. You know, Brandon Cooks and Dante Fowler were guys they traded five picks for that, that didn't necessarily, you know, didn't get, get a Super Bowl victory, but, um, you know, Sammy Watkins, guys, what comes to mind? Sammy Watkins, another one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the, the Mr. Uh, Mr. Cronkie gives them the leeway to keep, to keep firing. And I'm not sure, you know, obviously not, not every coaching GM is going to get, you know, that many, that many hits or misses, but those guys have, and now, you know, that's probably going to be there for a long time. Talking to Nate Davis from USA Today, you could follow him, and I suggest that you do, uh, at by uh, Nate Davis. Uh, all right, one of the teams that also got an A uh, in your in your grading system was the Raiders here in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, uh, Devontae Adams plays big into that equation. Uh, the Raiders did give up uh, a first and a second round pick to go get him. Uh, I think it was the right time to do that. You know, when you talk about those trading those picks and kind of the formula, I think the important uh, aspect of that is to is to be true to yourself. Understand really where you are in the whole window uh, and at the right time seize it. At, uh, at, at other times, and you mentioned the Houston uh, Texans, I, th- I felt like they overplayed their window uh, and, and kind of uh, gave things away that they shouldn't have given away at that time. I feel like the Raiders are at a point where it was a good move to go get Devontae Adams, even for a first and second round pick. And they back- backed it up, I thought, with a pretty solid uh, draft as well. How did you view what the Raiders have done? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it. I mean, Devontae Adams wanted to be there, obviously, and Derek Carr wanted, wanted to play together. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you, you, uh, 
trade a first and second rounder. I think it's worth it to guess to get who I think is probably the best receiver uh, in the league. And I mean, you know, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro is a pretty not only is it a good one, two, three, but um, they're also but what they bring to the table is also different. I mean, they, they really should be able to tack every area of the field with those guys. So yeah, I thought I thought it was it was worth worth what they gave up for it. Uh, they get they get the uh, kid from Memphis to, to block. Obviously, they need interior line help to protect their car a little better. So uh, that was good. And then, and then to get Zeus, you know, out of Georgia, um, I think he's a really good underrated back, the kind of back you look for in the middle rounds that can maybe play for you right away. And I think you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, you know Josh Jacob doesn't get franchised or extended, that he's he's the starting running back in twenty twenty three. Yeah, Nate, um, uh, sticking on that uh, with the draft of White and Josh Jacobs not getting his fifth-year option picked up, um, is that maybe a direction that Raider fans should get used to at running back? Uh, and, and it's not an indictment on Josh Jacobs. He's played well uh, in his time here, but it's I think it's more how the Raiders are viewing um, and running the money set aside for running back. Well, I mean, I think it's that. I mean, I think it's the fact that Josh Jacobs has played well uh, he had the Pro Bowl in 2020, I believe, but I mean his production has kind of actually steadily declined in three years. I think he was like 58 yards a game this, this past season. It seems like he's always banged up. I mean, he does. I know he's tough. I mean, he gets in there, he plays, even if he's not 100. percent But uh, it, it just kind of gets back to to that position. And I mean, I think you know if, if Raider fans are looking how it might go, I think you probably don't need to look further um, than New England, where, where they just kind of turn through those guys and. Um, you know, maybe maybe a guy like a James White stays forever, but I mean, in that role, maybe you can. But I think I think that that's what Josh is going to look to do is is draft guys like like Zeus in the fourth round, and then maybe you know um, you're looking at having a three man rotation uh, that doesn't cost you all that much money and allows you to invest in guys like like Devontae and Darren Waller. But I I think that's probably how it's going to go there for them for that position. Last. Uh, Nate, and we'll stick here uh, with the Raiders in Las Vegas. Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels uh, just conducted their first draft together. Uh, it followed up what I felt was a pretty strong offseason in terms of free agency and the trades. Chandler Jones, uh, Devontae Adams also some plugging some holes uh, with some other players below the surface. Um, your, your, your thoughts on that uh, uh, decision-making tandem and what this might look like for the Raiders moving forward? Well, I think I think it's got to be uh, exciting for for Raiders fans. I mean, you know, and and I think Josh Josh has learned a lot from his initial experience. Uh, I think you know, obviously, it's better that he's not making all the calls as he did there in Denver. Denver. And, and again, as we said with with the Jets, I think when you're when you're coaching and GM are on the same page and rowing in the same direction, and I think that they're going to have you know a nice long runway from from Mr. Davis to, to get that to get that team right. And I mean, it's not like they're taking over. You know, three and fourteen team. Right, it's, it's a good team. Um, and you know, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing Vinny at the shirt as I am sure you are. Is how that AFC West plays out this year. I mean, part of you wonders can they actually pull off getting all four teams uh, into the playoffs? The, the uh, downside of that being how much of these teams going to beat each other up. But um, I think the Raiders are in the mix for for, for sure. I mean, I think that they're they're probably two or three. In the division, if things go right, I mean, like like you said, I thought they had a nice off season, but um, I mean, I really thought they had a great season last year, given all the all the insanity that was happening out there and all, all the adversity they were dealing with. And I really don't think people really appreciate how how well they played and how it all played out for them to get to the playoffs and, and, and hang with Cincinnati for as long as they did. But um, this team isn't far, and I think uh, you know, 
reason for optimism out there in the desert. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and Nate Davis, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I appreciate it. Uh, always appreciate the uh, the insight and knowledge. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. My daughter was on my shoulder the whole time. I, 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 I knew that, and uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. And as a fellow dad, uh, kudos and good job, man. <laughs> appreciate it. I'll talk to you today. Thanks. You got it. That's Nate Davis, the father, Nate Davis, uh, who's getting ready to put his uh, daughter down uh, here for a uh, for a good night. It's on the uh, East Coast. Uh, so I appreciate him taking the time and splitting time uh, with being a great dad. So, uh, Nate Davis, uh, kudos to you. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, I've thought about it every step of the way here. Um, and I'd say, you know, a big a big part of, of that for me is just I'm just part of the process, um, you know, and we all are. And so, uh, you know, accepting what's my role in that process and try to do the best I can and then having great trust and faith in the people that are responsible for other things. You know, Dave headed up the entire process in the draft, you know, and and so I'm just whatever I'm responsible for, try to do the best I can at that role. And um, and, and really, you know, I'm like I said, I'm no different than anybody else. And. Um, having a part of the responsibility, but also sharing in it with other people and, and letting them do their job uh, has been great for me. Um, this whole spring has been a growth opportunity for me just to try to put some of those things that I've learned over time into place as the head coach. And, you know, I'll continue to do that moving forward. That was Josh McDaniels. Cameo, by the way, a little back and forth. Thank you for that, Damon. Uh, real quick, I want to get to what uh, what Josh said, and I think it was really poignant and important. Uh, but before I do, just want to let you guys know that uh, Embajador Tequila is having their monthly charity poker tournament. Uh, it's the it's every first Tuesday of the month. Tomorrow is the first Tuesday in May. So over at the South Point Hotel and Casino, the main poker room. Uh, there is, starting at 6 o'clock, a, uh, a great poker tournament that benefits uh, a lot of great um, charities here in, in Las Vegas. Uh, there's a chance to win a lot of money. There's a chance to win a lot of um, uh, prizes. It starts at 6 o'clock. It's brought to you by Empire Tequila. Uh, and the money goes to a, uh, you know, a, a great, in a great direction uh, on a number of different levels. Um, you're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Uh, on a Monday, and hearing Josh uh, McDaniels uh, explain or talk about the growth that he's um, that that he's experienced this spring, this year, uh, as he you know get, uh, sort of gets his feet under him as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Remember, this is his second head coaching gig. Um, the first one didn't go so well uh, in the Denver Broncos with the Denver Broncos. It's not the first time. A coach in any professional sport, in any profession, uh, didn't get it done uh, the first time around. We've talked about this so many times, and I feel like uh, Josh McDaniels is a walking, talking um, example of this. But it's not so much your failures aren't so much. You shouldn't dwell on that. What you should do in all cases, and we all slip and fall. I don't care who you are. You've slipped and fall and fallen many times, all right? 
uh, you haven't done your best. It might not have worked out, whether it was a relationship, whether it was a job, a test, school, whatever the case might be, we all fall, okay? And the key to it is not to dwell on the actual fall. It's to try to figure out what led to the fall and then try to grow from it and try to make sure that you um, you realize what the mistakes you may have made were and try to correct them so that the next time around you're better off for it. Something that Josh McDaniels said, uh, and that was Saturday over at the practice over at the facility in Henderson uh, after the draft was, "I'm just part of the process. I just think it's so healthy for a head coach to be able to admit that part of the process. This isn't an autocracy, okay? This isn't college football. I felt like Urban Meyer completely botched this in his time with the Jacksonville Jaguars. What he didn't realize was." An NFL, the NFL, professional sports, professional football, whether you're talking about the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, the NFL, on and on and on. You're, you have a job. Everybody has a job in the organization. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a function. And while, it, yes, the head coach, that's the head coach. Oh, my gosh, that's the head coach. And it's an important role. And you have to be a leader. You have to be smart. You have to be um, into all of those things. But you're still the head coach, and there's a general manager, there's a player personnel director, there's an offensive coordinator, there's a quarterback, there's play, all of whom, by the way, are getting paid. This is a profession. These are jobs. Everybody is doing their best or trying to do their best and playing their role for the organization that they work for, just like in any other job. I'm not downplaying the role of a head coach because it's utterly important and extremely important, but it's still one part of a big picture organization. And the fact that he understands that now, and I don't think that he quite did uh, early on uh, or when he took over the Denver Broncos, I think there was, um, you know, trying to take on too much, not delegating, not understanding the people aspect and the human aspect uh, of this job, the relationships that need to be built. Look, when you go to your job, Wherever it is that you go, there has to be respect. There has to be teamwork. There has to be um, sometimes friendship, you know, a relationship beyond just what the job is. If it's just the job that you go to do each day and that's all you focus on and that's all you think about uh, and you treat your coworkers or people who work under you or whatever the case might be as just pieces of a puzzle – you're not going to get very far in life and you're not going to be a good leader and you're not going to be a good coworker. You're not going to be a good person if that's how you approach things in your life. You have to understand that you have a function, you have a role to fill and that's what you do. And I think that Josh Jacobs or Josh uh, McDaniel's talking about, "Hey, this is, you know, I'm I'm part of a process and understanding that is okay." Dave Ziegler and his group do what their uh, 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 what their role um, does, asks them to do, and that's go get players and be part of that and the head of that part of it. Um, I, I just feel like McDaniel's talking about all these things and being open about it and being honest about it and acknowledging and taking responsibility and owning some of the mistakes that he made in the past is going to put him in such a better place to succeed this time around with the Raiders. And, you know, there's obviously there's there's uh, there's a difference between saying things and actually doing things. But I don't think in the what it's been January, he took over here as the head coach in however many months that is uh, five months or so 
uh, into the fifth month now. I don't think there's anything that's happened as the Raiders have conducted their offseason and free agency and the trades and now the draft. They're moving into um, you know the next phase of the, the offseason program. I don't think there's anything that's happened that makes you wonder, like, huh, you know, Josh McDaniels was kind of talking a good game, but I don't know if he's actually acting the part and acting the, acting the part of somebody that learned and is, has changed um, and is, is, is willing to do uh, things a little bit differently this time around. In fact, it's the, it's the complete opposite of that. He's completely acting that part. I remember talking to him uh, in Indianapolis at the scouting combine, just asking him you know, about certain players, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs. you know. And the first thing that Josh McDaniels brought up each time, getting to know them as people, building a relationship, getting to know them as human beings and, and, and building that bond. Ah, the football part, you know, that's going to take care of itself. That's secondary to building a relationship and gaining a trust and getting to know them and sitting down and talking to them person to person, human being to human being, not boss to, to uh, underling or, or anything like that. Just getting to know the people that you're working with and ultimately going to be asking a lot of to sacrifice um, to, to, you know, uh, be diligent and to be committed and to be passionate every day. You're asking players, look, I think it was Bum Phillips who once said, there's a totally a difference between getting people to do things and making people do things. If you're making people do things, ah, you know, I mean, it'll happen. You know, sometimes if you're, if you're getting people to do things, it's more like, you're, you're, it's a partnership here. We're all doing our job. Uh, I'm doing my job. I, I need to, I'm asking you to do your job. Uh, and it's a whole lot easier to do that and to get the most out of somebody when people are invested in one another and invested in the process together. Not, I'm going to make you do this regardless of whether you want to or not. That's just, it's, it's, it's counterproductive to do it that way. You know, and he also talked about uh, the importance of the why, you know, getting people to understand why they're doing things. Why are we doing this this way? Why this particular blocking scheme? Why this particular defensive front? Why this particular route or whatever the case might be? Why this game plan? Why are we going in uh, deciding to run the ball this week or why? whatever the case might be? Allowing people to understand and be explained and be willing to explain the why of all of that. I tell this story a lot of t- so, so many times, but it bears repeating because I think Josh McDaniels and what the Raiders are doing right now kind of um, you know mirrors this. But when the Ra- Rams made the switch over uh, to to Sean McVay and the importance that he put on communication and talking and getting players invested in the process, allowing them a voice to speak up. You know, to to articulate their thoughts and their opinions and their feelings. And I remember talking to players, and you know, they were they were going on and on about, man, this is so great that our coach, our position coach, whether it's the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator, Sean McVay, whatever the case might be, are listening to them. And I remember talking to Sean McVay, and why is that so important to you? He's well, first of all. You know, I want them invested in this process. I want to give them ownership of what we're doing because when you when you feel like you have a, a, a say in the matter, when you feel like you have skin in that game, 
you're just going to accept and do things on a more on a, on a higher level. The attention to detail, uh, all of those things. When you know that you're a key part, not just of executing the process, but putting the process together. And I, I just remember asking Andrew Whitworth, like, man, well, um, shouldn't that be the way it is everywhere? Shouldn't all head coaches and all coaches kind of want their players to give feedback and to and to and to be part of that process and to give you that voice? And he looked at me, kind of patted me on the back, literally, and it's like, you're, you're so naive. Yeah, no, that isn't the case everywhere. Why? I don't know. I don't know why that is or why that isn't in certain places. But I think it's critical to have that component and to be able to, uh, to, to, to listen and to give players um, and, and you know everyone else a seat at the table. They don't have to make the decisions. Ultimately, one person is going to make the decision on what the play is going to be called or what the game plan is officially going to look like or what the draft pick or who the draft pick is going to be. Ultimately, one person is going to make that decision on all of those just like the quarterback's going to ultimately decide who to throw the ball to. You know, it's at that level he's the last um brush on the uh on on, on the painting. He's he's applying the last uh you know uh, uh, uh stroke of 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 whatever color. It's kind of like a movie. You know, you have your producer, you have your director, you have first you have a writer, then you have the last you have a director, you have somebody that's telling the actors what, but ultimately it's going to come down to the actor and actress. They are going to execute the part, the words, the action, all of that. And that's what happens in a football game. But ultimately one person is going to have the final call. But if you give everybody a voice in the process, you're just giving people, you're, you're, again, you're allowing people to be invested in it and, and invested people Whatever the case might be, whether it's uh, working at a restaurant, uh, a business, a corporation, a bank, when people have uh, an investment in the process, you're going to get typically the best out of them. And then it becomes down to talent, you know. Um, and, and I feel like when you look at what the Raiders have done this offseason, I don't think there's any question, any question at all. 100% I believe this. This Raiders football team is not just better than it was that ended that the season last year in Cincinnati on the brink of pushing the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals to overtime on the road on a blustery cold day in Cincinnati. They are a better team, maybe even markedly, markedly from that point. And I'm saying from the coaching down to the players, it's a much better team in the short while that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and Champ, Champ Kelly and everybody else in that building have been have taken over. They've made this a better team. And for Raider Nation and fans, I think you should genuinely, genuinely be excited about what's to come. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. We're live at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Monday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. I would say running back's just a tough position in the league. You know, those guys take a pounding, and it's a physical position. And, um, you know, being able to add, you know, young players there um, to compete, to see if they can find a role. And, again, it goes back to, to what was available, you know, and, and the best players that were available, um, you know, when it, when it was our turn to pick. And, 
you know, there was Amir was there and Britain was there. And um, so we selected those would have been, you know, different if there was other players there, if it would have been, you know, two tight ends or two receivers that happened to uh, be there that was that were our, you know, the, who we thought were the best available at the time, we would have taken those players too. So it was kind of a product of the way that the board fell. Um, but again, you can never have enough good players at any one position. We've talked about it from the beginning. We want to build depth and competition. That's a very going to be a very important part of this program. And it was an opportunity to um, take some swings and add two good players that happen to be at the running back position. Most camps we're going to have at minimum six and probably more more likely seven at that position anyway. And it just so happens that we're kind of at that number. So we're, you know, we're, we're working towards what we're going to eventually need anyhow. And, um, you know, each position's at a little bit of a different stage in terms of yeah. finalizing it. But the backs are, you know, it's just one of many that we're going to have to, you know, figure out how to, you know, fill it out as we go towards training camp here. As Josh, McDa- Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, kind of explaining the thought process behind adding two running backs to what was already a pretty crowded running back room uh, before the draft. By the way, it's your time to buy or sell a home, and Realty One Group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yes, the housing market's hectic. We all understand that. But it's still a great time to sell and even buy a home of your dreams. You'll need hardworking real estate professionals to get it done. And they've got you over at the Realty One Group. They know the market. They know the neighborhoods. They know the transaction. They know that they can get this done for you. Realty One Group was founded in Las Vegas and has been their home for more than 11 years. They've been opening doors for their clients, opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives. They are also proud to give back to the community, donating their time and resources to make an impact. Whether you are selling or buying a home, call them today at the Realty One Group at 888-461-0101. That's 888-461-0101. And, you know, to piggyback on what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels uh, we're, we're, we're saying about that running back room and, and getting to uh, where they sort of want to be in terms of the depth going into training camp. Um, it, again, going back to the owners' meetings in, in Florida and talking to Josh McDaniels about, and he literally said this. He's like, you know, we might come to a point in a draft where we hit back-to-back-to-back to back to back on, on the same exact you know uh, position. And it almost happened. They they back to back on defensive tackle. They back to back on running backs, or excuse me, double dipped at running back, double dipped at defensive tackle. Um, and it shouldn't be a surprise. And one of the things that Josh McDaniel said in Florida was like, "Look, you know, uh, when you when you start adding the best players available, regardless of what the depth chart tells you, and you just start stacking as many good players uh, and and uh, infusing the roster with with as many good players as possible." Sometimes what you end up doing is strengthening a strength, okay? And and when you strengthen a strength and create a numbers game and create depth, there's things that you can do with that later on to help maybe shore up a position that isn't necessarily a strength. You could get to the, first of all, throw out the fact that you never know when somebody might go down. Uh, you know, knock on wood, and this goes for every team, not talking specifically about the Raiders, but we see players lost for the season in OTAs. You know what I'm saying? I almost guarantee this, that somewhere along the line over these next few months or next month or so leading up to the end of mini camps and OTAs and pointing forward toward training camp, you're going to have a player, a big-name player, uh, or some player that was expected to play an important role for a team go down with an injury this time of year. So it's such a volatile sport in general that 
it's just uh, in, incumbent on everybody to build as much quality depth at each position. But in addition to that and being prepared for anything that might happen unexpectedly, because football is going to throw you some curveballs, in addition to that, you can get to the end of training camp and have a surplus of a position, okay? And that gives you the power then to go looking around the league to see another team that might have surplus at a particular position that you have a dearth in, that you don't, you kind of have a shortage in. And maybe you call up the New York Giants or maybe you call up, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles and say, hey, you know, um, we've got, we don't have enough room for, for all these great pick a position, we see that, you know, hey, you're kind of in the similar position over at inside linebacker or safety or whatever the case might be. Um, what do you think about, you know, being able to, to work a deal here where you get one of our whatever position you might be talking about uh, in exchange for whatever position, you know, you have a surplus in? That can happen too. Uh, and in that way, your investment, to, uh, you know, in a player that strengthened what was already a strength now pays off for you in a way that you're getting a good player at a position of need to now put on your roster. So you 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 strengthen every position as much as you possibly can, adhering to a best player available uh, mantra and mandate. And so by the end of training camp, or sometimes even into the season, now you're dealing from a position of power and able to then, hey, we can we can afford to move, you know, one of these good, really good safeties that we have too many of to go get help in the offensive line where we need some help right now. So there's ways to look at this so that when you're scratching your head, and I know Raider fans were kind of scratching their head, oh, another running back, pick number seven, just let it play out. Not all those guys are going to be on the team, but rather than having to maybe you know, what they what they de- definitely created in my mind was the ability to to flip one of those running backs for something of need at a at, at a position of need. So we'll see how all of this plays out. Uh, but, again, drafting the best players available or the highest-graded players that's on your board whenever your turn comes around, I think ultimately pays off in the long run. We're going to go out to the Realty One Group listener line. Lou is on the line. How you doing, Lou? Hey, I'm doing good, Lou. Uh, um, it was incredible, man. Uh, they, they need to bring the draft back every other year or every three years to Las Vegas. It's, that was a great thing. Hey, um, I still think we didn't. I, I, I gave us like a C plus um, with Devontae Adams. It's probably an A. But the thing I was kind of discouraged about was that, that we didn't go after a linebacker in this draft. I mean, we got to get – we we have not drafted a linebacker or have an all-pro – I mean, an all, uh, all-star linebacker in a while, so we I, I, I didn't understand that. And drafting that in the third round again, it, it, it didn't matter to me. It's how you draft. It don't matter where you draft that. It's what what, what quality um, players you get. And I think we did a decent job, but I think we still missed. And that 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 running back in the in the last on um, that seventh pick, mm-hmm. I think it was a waste of time. I, and I understand what you're saying about. Uh, other teams, but why why pick a running back when you have almost five running backs in the, in the, in there? Get alignment. I'd rather go get alignment or or another D lineman or whatever. But a running back was it, it, I, I just see it as a waste uh, a waste of time for the kid. And, and, and he might make the team on special teams, but I don't 
I don't see it, V. I, I think I think we should have went after a linebacker or somebody else. We we still missing that or a cornerback. We we need more corners in in, in the league because of all this passing. So why not go after a corner? But I think they did a good job. Wait and see. We'll wait and see. Like everything else. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I guess here's my you know the the question to you would be. Um, all right, so if Britton Brown, who they picked, uh, what was it, two fifty, was the was the, the the highest graded player left on their board, um, and an offensive tackle or lineman or cornerback um, that was left at that point in the draft was decidedly below that graded player, Britton Brown. Um, are you okay with that? Are you okay with trading what you – I mean, and obviously it comes down to how you're seeing it. And when, when I say you're, the Raiders, their scouts, their coaches, what they're looking for for their particular team, their scheme, their needs, uh, their short-term and long-term goals, um, and, and how they value players and what grade they put on that player. And if in their assessment – and let's just say for your let's – let's just say you got to – that point in the draft and the running back was decidedly had a decidedly higher grade than a linebacker or a safety. I, I don't, I, I think that in the long run, if you trade one for the other, you're going to be putting yourself in a bad position. I think that especially at that point in the draft, draft the best and highest graded player. You had that player graded for that re, at that, at that in that way for a reason, stay true to your heart, stay true to your um, discipline, stay true to your evaluation and bring in, the highest graded player at that point and let the chips fall where they may because they're going to fall. Trust me. Uh, hey, want to say thanks to Evan Barnes uh, from the Memphis Commercial Appeal for joining us and talking uh, about Dylan Parham, uh, the Raiders third round pick from Memphis. Want to say thanks to Nate Davis uh, for shedding some light on uh, the draft in general. Always appreciate his insight. Want to thank Devon Cotton uh, for all the great and hard work he does. To the callers, thank you so much. To the listeners, we appreciate you. Uh, we, this is what you're why we do this. Uh, we're going to be back at it tomorrow from the uh, Raiders headquarters, actually. Uh, and we'll be talking to Dan Ventrelli, the Raiders president, uh, tomorrow to kick off the show at 4 o'clock. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. Check you guys out tomorrow, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.